I want to talk to you about God and the geezer. <laughs> so if you're old, feel old, or know somebody that's old, uh, this can apply. I want to give you five signs that you, you can tell if you're getting old. Uh, you fall asleep and someone calls 911. Uh, your back goes out more often than you do. Uh, you sing along to elevator music. Uh, people call at 8 o'clock at night and they say, did I wake you up? <laughs> and the last, uh, you got cable TV just to have the weather channel. If you have your Bible or not, you can look on the screen, follow along with me, Joshua 14, 6 through 15. A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea? I was 47 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God, so that the day Moses, that day Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today, I'm 85 years old. I'm as strong now as when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. 85, and he was still kicking fannies and taking names. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kesanite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Previously, Hebron had been called Kirath Arba and had been named after Arba the great hero of the descendants of Anak and the land had rest from war. We trust that God would add his blessing to the reading of his word. I want to review for you the book of Joshua just, just briefly. The first half of the book is filled with stories of how God interacted with his people as he was leading them through the promised land. And, and it started with the miraculous crossing of the, uh, of the Jordan River and continued as the Israelites fought and claimed the land. So chapter 10 and 11, though, summarize this military campaign. Then chapter 12 is a simple list of, of the kings that the Lord's army had defeated. This was, this was kind of the... Uh, the, the laurels that the, the Israelites won and how they, how they uh, defeated the, uh, their enemy. And it wraps up the first half of the book. The second half of the book focuses on the division of the land. You know, the 12 tribes, everybody got a piece of the, of the, of the land. And how it was allocated to these tribes. So we aren't going to be spending time in those historical details, but the account I want to talk about is this 
portion that I just read in, in uh, chapter 14. So, so here's the backstory, and it, it wasn't really remarkable. It's just another leader showing up asking for his allotment of land. But if we dig a little deeper, there's, there's a uniqueness that begins to shine here. And the story of Caleb began uh, 45 years earlier in, in the time of Moses. And if you recall that he sent out 12 spies, Caleb and Joshua came back and said, we can do it, God's for us, we can take the land. Okay, sure, there's big guys in the land, but man, it flows with milk and honey. And there are, there are the, the grapes, man, the grapes, they're, they're in clusters long. And, and God is in it all and we can take the land. So they get back and they're wanting to stone Joshua and Caleb because they, they were telling the people we can do it and these ten sissies said, no, we can't. And they became the 13th tribe of Judah, the Webinots. King James says, we be not able to take the land. Yet in Philippians, the Apostle Paul says, I can do, anything through, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Joshua and Caleb became the I can do's. So we have the we be nots and the I can do's. And I hope that today when we finish that you can become a I can do. So Moses says if it, that, that he's listening and, and he, he, you know, democracy ruled that day and the, they, they didn't go into, they didn't, take the land and they wandered around for 40 years and so if you recall that story they, they uh, the 12 spies returned and Numbers 13, 27 through 28 says this was their report to Moses, we entered the land you sent us to explore and it indeed it was a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey, here's the kind of fruit it produces but the people and they, so they brought back the fruit but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified, we even saw giants there the descendants of Anak. And as a result of this report, they were terrified, didn't go. Forty years they wandered around in the desert. But Joshua and Caleb dissented and tried to sway the people. And in Numbers 13.30 says, But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land. And he says, We can certainly conquer it. Now he was, he was 45 years old and that is by no stretch of the imagination ancient, but at 45, you're not really out there leading the charge like you did when you were a kid. But we fast forward 45 years, and here's Caleb, 85 years old, having survived the, the wandering in the desert, having fought alongside Joshua as they took the promised land, and he came to claim the promise of God. If you recall in that, in that beginning portion of Scripture, um, the, um, the word says that, Josh, or that Caleb wholeheartedly served the Lord or followed the Lord. Wholeheartedly means without reservation. Wholeheartedly means that he didn't, uh, he didn't hold anything in reserve. And so we look today and, and as this, we look at this passage and in that there's not a, a, a single place when you read the history 
where you heard Caleb complaining. I mean, here was a guy that said, we can do it. God is in it. We follow God. He's going to give us the victory. And they chose to take the easy way out. And so, for 40 years, Caleb could have said, I told you so. We wouldn't be here. We would be sitting back in that land, eating, drinking milk and eating honey and, and having our wives peel grapes and feeding them to us. Yes, ladies, you need, to feel, you need to peel grapes and feed them to your men. Okay? Men, show of hands, you think that's a good idea. Thank you for that affirmation. So, so, yeah, okay. So Joshua uh, 14, 6 through 12 says that the delegation from the tribe of, of Judah led by Caleb, Caleb said to Joshua, remember the Lord said, the man of God about you and me when we were there. I was 40 years old, Moses the servant. And it, and it talks about that if the Lord is with me, I will drive the last, the last verse. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that the scouts we found as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns but if the Lord is with me and that if better is better rendered in the Hebrew since S-I-N-C-E since the Lord is with me I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said see I don't know what giants you guys got in your, in your, in your life right now who knows what they are but God is, if God is with you, and you know God's with you if you're truly living that life that is pleasing to Him, He's going to equip you to get rid of the giants in your land. So it doesn't make any difference how big they are. It doesn't make any difference if, they, if there's walls around this, this uh, insurmountable obstacle that you're facing. It doesn't matter. God says, I'm in it. I'll give you the victory. Verses 6 through 9 find Caleb laying out the facts, reminding Joshua that he'd been faithful and followed God even when everybody else hadn't. And I think Joshua's a little wishy-washy too. You know, okay, he was standing there beside Caleb when they were trying to stone him. I think he was behind, standing behind Caleb. You know, you take the first rock, I'm going to duck. But, but uh, Caleb claims the promise Moses had made him and his descendants because of his faithfulness. And that's not, being, that's not being egotistical. It's not being presumptuous. It's saying, God made the promise. I'm taking you up on it. And so having laid this groundwork, he makes his request. And I love verse 10. He reports his age. You know, he's, he's getting up there in years. 85 is it's pretty old. And Caleb has proven his faithfulness and served his Lord for his entire life. And so now he lays claim to the promise of God. And pausing here for a minute, I, I, I don't know, I don't think that, I, I think that we would understand if Caleb said, you know, I'm a little bit tired. Eighty-five years I've been serving the Lord. Eighty-five years I've been wandering around in this, in this desert. Today I would, I would like a little desert, but... But for 85 years, I've been doing this. 85 years, I've been fighting the fight. 85 years, I've been following you. I've been doing what I was told to do, and I've never complained. I'm a little tired. We'd understand that. 
And it wouldn't make it and it wouldn't make sense for him to retreat into the back background a little bit and let the young warriors take over and and he retire in a in a nice senior citizen tent city. You know, he's he's sitting there playing gin rummy, sipping iced tea in his in his barca lounger and and uh telling stories about those hard desert years. I, I mean I'd understand that. And we sort of expected Caleb to continue from verse ten by saying yeah, I'm 85 years old now, and the Lord promised me some land to settle in, and now he knows I've earned it, so, so this needs to be the next priority for your soldiers, Joshua. Come on, get it together. Send them up right away to clear the way for me and the descendants, fight off all the bad guys, and make sure the pool's clean, there's plenty of iced tea, and bring my lazy boy. I'll wait over here. But as I read earlier, this isn't what Caleb said. Again, I'm as strong as I was when Moses sent me. He's 40, 85, 85. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You'll remember that as, the scouts, we, as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. We traveled 12 hours in a car yesterday. And it's like it to kill me. And, and uh, we made it. We didn't have any problems. And, but here's a guy that it says he traveled and fought 85 years and, and, and 40 years wandering around in the desert and didn't complain. Every mile marker, I was grousing. So instead of wanting a life to retire, he stays in the game. He has his health, energy, desire, and he picks the biggest fight that he could of anything. And, and this is part of the story that really excites me. Here, the, the senior citizen, I mean, he is the senior citizen of senior citizens. Taking on giants, he says, give me this hill country with the Anakites Anna, and their large fortified cities. That doesn't bother me at all. It's good ground. I'll get rid of these bums, and we're going to have great, great real estate. And with the Lord helping me, I'm going to drive them out just as he said. And instead of sitting back at the end of his life, he takes on the biggest challenge. Now, okay, so having laid all that groundwork, how in the world does that apply to us today? How do we take the story of this 85-year-old man and make it alive for us? Well, the first thing is our job isn't finished until God calls us home. We still have a job to do regardless of your age. I believe that as long as God gives us breath, there's something that he still has for us to do. And maybe it's to know him more. Maybe it's to worship him more. Maybe it's to continue to use the gifts that God has given you to serve his kingdom. Billy Graham was in his 80s, and, and you know he died an old man, but when he was in, 80, 80, in his 80s, he was still planning large crusades. Retirement was not in his, in his vocabulary. He was still serving God up until the day that he died. He was faithfully serving him until he was called home. Now, Caleb was 85 and he took on the biggest enemy in the, in the land. And so it tells me that no matter how old you are, as long as you have life, God has something for you to do and has something for me to do. But, but what I do want is to understand that, that I don't know what he has for you guys. I just know that he does have something. And that's between you and God. 
But I want to, to, us to, I want to affirm us is that God isn't finished with you until the moment you take that last breath and go home and be in the very presence of Him. Second thing, second application is God has been preparing you your whole life from a wee little bitty Joshua up until this massive hulk of a man that you've become. He's been preparing you your whole life and in many ways Caleb was the perfect person to lead the fight against giants. He had the most experience, he had the most battles, he spent 45 years waiting for this opportunity and I'm sure that in that 45 years he was honing his skills. I don't, I don't think that he was just kind of whiling away the hours. Understand that whatever we face today, God has been preparing us. And I take comfort from this and I draw strength from the realization that whatever hurdles I face, God has been preparing and equipping me to meet them head on. God's in control. He knows what he's doing. He will walk beside me in the middle of the mess. And I know it's tough when we're facing hard times to see how God has prepared us for the situation and then later to see how that situation prepares us for the next situation because life is going to be this series of hard knocks. And that's why I like to talk about how God is in control. He is the, he is the not just the master of the universe, he's the manager of the universe. He keeps it all together. And it gives me strength and hope and the ability to try and relax in, in, in God's promises. Well, the third thing, <laughs> some of you may not like this one. You might have to wait 45 years to see God's promise, and even then you might have to fight for it. You say, I don't have 45 years left in me. I don't, I don't, let's see, 45. that'll be a stretch. I, I don't, you know, I got, I do have good DNA, but I don't know that I've got 45 years left. But if I did, I may have to wait for it, just like some of you may have to wait for it. And once it comes and God says, here it is, take it, he isn't going to just lay it in your lap. Sometimes you may have to fight for it. And if it's worth it, and if God is in it, and it's ordained of God, then it's worth fighting for. He waited 45 years to experience the promise of God come true in his life. And we know from the story that he never forgot the words God said to him through Moses and that when the time was right, he stepped up and says, okay, Josh, put her here, bud. I've earned it. God promised it. I want it. Not just for me, but for my, for my kindred. Do you guys have that kind of patience? Do you have that kind of, of tenacity in patience. Can you wait for God's timing to keep his promises? You say, John, it's been 20 years. I've been praying for that man of mine to get saved for 40 years. I love how Caleb was active in claiming his promises of God, and I'm challenged by it. By the way, Caleb's name and I don't know if uh, Joshua's uh, middle name is Caleb, and and uh, he he uh, he's he's a gentle guy. But uh, uh, let me tell you a little bit about this young man. The rendering of your middle name is Mad Dog. 
mad dog. In fact, the Hebrew says raging with canine madness. In the 70s, anybody in here a fan of, of fake, I mean professional wrestling? Uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I, was, I was 45 before I realized it was fake. <laughs> but it was fun. It's good. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like smash mouth soap opera. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is. It is fun. Well, there's this guy. His name was Mad Dog Vashon. Do you remember Mad Dog? And his, and his sister, who, oh, she was an ugly woman. His sister was named Vivian Vashon. And Mad Dog, was, he, he, uh, it was all an act. In fact, he died last year and he was a believer. Uh, his testimony is on YouTube if you want to catch it. But uh, he had teeth missing, not just getting smacked in the face, but he would, he would get himself riled up and he would go to the turnbuckle in the, in the wrestling ring and he would chew the cover off the, off the turnbuckle and he'd have the, the cotton in his mouth. And, oh, he was a character. Well, uh, one match... Uh, I saw this on TV. He ran at his opponent, picked him up, and threw him out of the ring. Now, you can't fake that. The guy went over the ropes and lit in the, on the concrete floor. There wasn't any padding there. Yeah, it's not fake. Jared says, this is real stuff. Uh, the, the referee came and tried to, tried to stop him. Well, he threw the ref over the ring. A cop came with a nightstick. So, so when he threw the ref over the ring, he went over the ring after him. So now he's on the floor with these two guys that are out like, like a light. And a cop comes with a, with a billy club, and he's going to wail on, on Mad Dog. Mad Dog picks him up and threw him three rows into the cheap seats of the spectators. Mad Dog Vashon. That's the kind of man that Caleb was like when he went into battle. I think sometimes we need a little bit of that mad dog in us. Now, don't be throwing me around. Or I, I, I don't, I'm not suggesting we toss anybody over the chairs. But behave yourself. I'll sectary on you and you don't have a chance. But Caleb models for us that, that approach of not just being passive. You know, sometimes I look at God and he's just this... this you know, a, a vending machine, an ATM. Uh, pull the lever and out plops all the good stuff. But, but Caleb claims the promises of God by acting like there's nothing that's going to stand in the way of God keeping his promises. Nothing is going to stand in the way of God keeping his promises. I know a lot of your stories, and I know a lot of your heartaches. And if God has promised you something, take heart, my brother and sister, that he's not going to renege. He always keeps his promises. He always shows up, and God always comes through. Always. We, we, we had in, in uh, Bible school today, and if you don't come, you ought to, you ought to come. 9.30, Sunday mornings, come on out to the, to, uh, the, the ladies have a, a, a study the men have a study, and it's not, I mean, if you want to be, if you want to come in and you're a lady, you don't have to go that, to the ladies' class, but ladies will not let men in their class. I, I'm the pastor, and they threw me out. And they were gentle about it, but uh, 
He claims these promises, and it didn't make matter that he was 85. It didn't matter that there were giants. And all that mattered to Caleb was that God had made a promise. So Caleb grabbed his sword and headed off to the hills and defeated the enemy. Now, you've got to keep in mind that he, he didn't do it all by himself. He had, a, he had an army with him. And I believe that Caleb trained these men. He was a fighter. This is, a, this, this is great faith to act on the promise of God before we see the evidence of fulfillment. Act on the promise of God before we see the evidence of fulfillment. We did that in my grandson, Caleb John. We acted on the promises of God. We prayed for that young man every day of his life. And I know that, that we got to see the outpouring of that prayer. There was evidence. To stand up and say, God has promised this, so I'm going to live it, is the proclamation of God fulfilling his promises. You know, God called me into the ministry uh, 44 years ago in 1975, and I haven't always been faithful in serving him. I've, 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 had, I've had some wandering years. But in 2007, I was really burned out. My health was shot, and I was ready to uh, cut my losses and leave ministry completely. Right. We, we could do a lot of things to make money, and uh, I was tired of, of leaving home and my wife taking care of all the problems that happen when you leave home. And I was tired of living broke. I was tired of of that whole ministry mess. And God laid it on my heart. So, John, I called you in 1975. I haven't relinquished that call. Let me heal you up, and he did. And I want you to get back into the ministry. He says, I want to get you back into the pastorate. <laughs> that was wild. And, and yet, it worked. You guys took a chance. And the rest, they say, is history. So God made a promise to keep me engaged in the church, but I had to do my part. I haven't chewed up any turnbuckle covers. I haven't thrown anybody physically over the ropes. I've done it a couple of times in my heart. But that's another story. But, the, the, you know, it, it's still, there, there's, there's been that, there's been a battle. You know, there's been a battle for your, your hearts and your minds. There's a battle that, that uh, I, I, I want to pray for you. And I want to be beside you when you have those tough times. I'm here for you. Yeah. Okay, I'm your pastor. More importantly, I want to be your friend. I want to do my part. Sometimes God's promises appear instantly and without any action on our part, but more often I believe we have to act in faith in order to see the fullness of God's promise. Like Caleb, we have to go into battle. We've got to be ready to do it. And you might be wondering, okay, 
fine. How did it turn out? Well, 15, verses 13 through 17, the Lord commanded Joshua to assign some of Judah's territory to Caleb. So Caleb was given the town of Kirath Arba, that's Hebron, which had been named after Anak's ancestor. Caleb drove out the three groups of Anakites. Three of them. It wasn't just one bunch of bad guys. It was the descendants of Sheshai, Aiman, and Talmai, the sons of Anak. From there he went to fight against people living in the town of Deber. So more guys, formerly called Kirath Sefer. Caleb said, I will give my daughter Exa. Her name means charming. That'd be, that's, a, that's a good message too. Uh, I will give my daughter uh, in marriage to the one who attacks and captures Kirath Sefer. Ophniel, the son of Caleb's brother Kenaz, was the one who conquered it. So Aksa became Ophniel's bride or wife. She was worth fighting for. She was worth dying for. She was charming. She was special. And she said, yes. <laughs> Any man that's willing to lay low the bad guys for my daddy is my kind of guy. And there's a wonderful story if you, if you read further in the account of their, their that, that whole how he, how he won the day and, and, got, and, and got the girl. Well, God was faithful and, and so here's my challenge to those of you who are under 30. If you're under 30, be patient. It might take 45 years, but God's going to keep his promises. Here's my challenge to you who are older. Know that God isn't finished with you until he calls you home. Actively claim the promises of God. And will you fight the toughest battles now? And what are they, you wonder? Well, those are battles that are fought in prayer. We're talking about prayer in the, in the adult Bible school. You need to be a part of that if you aren't. Pray, I ask, I ask you to pray for, for our church leaders. Pray for Sarita as she goes about doing the things, keeping all the balls in the air. Pray for me because half the time I don't know what I'm doing and, and, and I need help. Pray for our children's ministry teachers, those, those women who are downstairs, and men too who, who come and help. Pray for them as, they are, as they're impacting the, the minds and the lives of these youngsters. Pray for our community that the love of Jesus might break through the resistance and bring life to those who don't know him as their savior. And as I think about what the modern equivalent of the uh, Anakites might be and how to fight the giants of today, I recognize that the battles are only going to be fought and are only going to be won by prayer. And I am, I'm, I'm reminded that God honestly cares for our hearts and that his focus, and, and he is the focus of our life, and when that's the case, it doesn't matter what giants are in your life school giants, family giants, spousal giants, 
job giants, relationships within the church, those kinds of giants, whatever they are, God is in it. God has equipped us. God is going to give us the victory if we're faithful. We get the victory. God gets the glory. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the, this, this account, this Bible account of, of the man Caleb, the old man Caleb, that you gifted, that you strengthened, that you gave him that, that, that tenacious love for you and the love for serving you and for taking back for you the country that, that the evil one took away. Lord, as we close out the service today, I pray for each of the men, women, and young people, the giants in their lives, may they have the courage to stand before them because they have that confidence that you have already taken care of this. You fought the battle and you've won it, but now it's up to us to engage. Give us that courage. Give us that mad dog spirit to fight the enemy. And I praise you for it all in your son's precious name. Amen.